Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, experts, and moms around the world. Okay, everybody. Oh, Thanksgiving. We all just had Thanksgiving. So what better time to talk about loving our bodies? (laughs) Right. I feel like January is on its way and everyone's going to talk about joining the gym and have all of these ideals of what our bodies should be like starting in the new year uh, after eating. I had so much stuffing. Um, But so I thought today we could focus on our bodies and being grateful for the ones we have. I have two lovely guests with me today. I'd say that all three of us all three of us have felt betrayed by our bodies in the past, uh, and we've learned a lot from those experiences. I have the co-founders of the brand new website and female empowered community. Uh, it's called What We Are. It's a community of women celebrating our beautifully unfiltered selves. I have Jen Didi sitting across from me. She is an actress who recently appeared on Shameless. She's also a writer and producer. She's a modern-day entrepreneur who owns a very successful virtual skincare business, and she's a fertility warrior. Uh, She's been on a fertility journey the past eight years, empowering and inspiring others on this crazy life journey. I love reading these bios. (laughs) You don't have to read all of them. <laughs> oh, no. I this cut is... yours significantly. Okay, great. Okay, ready for yours? <laughs> no. I should make you read yours, Nikki. <laughs> just like, just... I have a feeling yours would be long. On our website, it's funny I... because we, she put her bio in, and then under my picture, it just has, like, I'm overwhelmed right now, so I'll get back to this. <laughs> and then you and, and then you it. wrote a chapter. And then I wrote a chapter for you. I sent you, like, a chapter. Um, So I'll get to that chapter now, everyone. Uh, Nikki has worked in film and television for over 30 years, starting as a Mouseketeer on the new Mickey Mouse Club. uh, (laughs) By the way. Just stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Wait. She's like... She's like 105. She's 105. <laughs> but also she'll be like, oh, wait, wait, you didn't call her Jessica Beale. You called her what? Jesse? Jesse. Yeah. Nikki's like because <laughs> uh, she was in the Mickey Mouse Club with Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. And so she most recently was in the critically acclaimed People's Choice Award winning comedy Awkward. And over the years, she has racked up a long list of TV credits such as Mad Men, Grey's Anatomy, The Ringer, Sirens, NCIS, Criminal Minds, Major Crimes. Okay, shut up. Okay, I didn't know where she was listening. And so, well, we should say that you've also been guest co-hosting the popular daytime talk show Home and Family. And last month, you guys launched What We Are. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a site for women to celebrate the all of who they are with bestie Jen Didi. So we've got these two best friends together. We're holding hands. Uh, they're holding hands and trying <laughs> to stay focused. It's an early morning. Uh, I'm trying to wean Eliza at night, which means Adam's getting bottle duty. He wasn't that happy with me last night about that. We're, yeah. we're all going through it. I almost... As our longtime listeners know, uh, Jen Waldberger is a huge champion of the podcast, and she is the co-author of The Sleep Easy Solution, which has saved millions of mother sanity. And last night I was referring to the book. It's been a while since I brought it out, you know, years with Sabrina, who's now four, although I need it again for her. And by the way, they've got great toddler tips. So I was reading it, and I, I almost threw it at his head last night. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Almost threw the sleep easy solution at his head, which is ridiculous because Jen Waldberger is like the queen of Zen and like Ugh. mindfulness. And I was like, I almost used your book as a as a weapon. I mean, I don't I don't understand. I will go we we've been dealing with it too, with like a two month old at home, also with the four year old, yeah, you know, Hudson and Sabrina are in the same class. And and we have the dog too. And I, I don't know how people move through this in a very zen way. I don't know. I find myself being like, go to your room. And he's like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. Just get out <laughs> so I don't want to see your face. <laughs> Is that what you're saying to your husband or your four-year-old? Both of them. <laughs> just like, everyone, leave me alone. Like, how do you move through in a zen way? I just I, it, Is it something you mm. learn in a, or is it, are you born that way? Because I, it's so hard. It is hard. Uh, yeah. Luckily, Eliza— 
Uh, she just turned four months. She is pretty zen. I was reading the chapter about learning how to put your baby down to sleep yeah. and the check-ins all the time when they first learned to go in the crib uh-huh. uh, by themselves. And I just got to skip that chapter. And moms everyone where hate me now because no. I, it was so crazy. I can just put her in her I nurse her. I put her in her swaddle. She's wide awake. I put her down in her crib. And she just goes to sleep. And she just goes to sleep. That's so great. Now I just have to work on like the middle of the night stuff. But that was crazy because there's all these tips about going back. And and I was like, oh, Eliza, she's my Buddha baby. We've been (laughs) been praying for that. He's uh, Sabrina's fire. Uh, Okay. So last time Nikki and I caught up on the podcast was a year ago. I was actually editing her last podcast over Thanksgiving last year. Oh, wow. And I was secretly (gasps) pregnant. And yes. you weren't pregnant yet, but you brought Coors Light. I did. I almost brought him today, but I forgot. And it's morning. And well, but that has well, never stopped. Us. You're right. It was <laughs> morning last time too. It's never, oh never, God. ever stopped myself or Jen. Um, and so we bonded over our hard ass mothers. Yeah. And uh, I got to meet your mom you recently. Did, I, I did not expect to meet her at the children's hospital. So <laughs> no, no. Um, I didn't either. I didn't expect you to meet her first uh, at the children's hospital. And we we bonded over our love for Soul Cycle. And now on Mondays, there's like four of us moms who all ride together Hasn't that in a become row. Amazing with David Zint as our instructor, oh. and he. Um, has been a guest on the show a million years ago. I'm going to have him back in the new year with his wife because he, after class last week, you ran off. You didn't do the stretching. No, I didn't. <laughs> you had somewhere I, to be. Yeah, I, ha- I had somewhere to be at 11, so I had to go home and shower. You had a shower. So whatever, fine. No. You're not hardcore <laughs> enough. Afterwards, David said that he, when he had gotten in the car that morning, uh, his wife listens to the podcast. And so he heard my voice in the car. And then he said that some of the stuff he was saying was because of what he had heard on the podcast. Really? And so he said it was like this cool awesome. like loop. That's He's so great. Because I end up doing my best work for the podcast right after that class because I finally yes. feel like energized. Well, endorphins. And endorphins. Endorphins mm-hmm. make you happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're talking yeah. about bodies today. So yeah. um, we do that. It, it's like good for our health. We feel mm-hmm. stronger. And um, it's that the moder- was a good I always say like it, I, it was cycle. telling you like on the bike, I feel like it's. The, it's the, a club for yeah. it's the new club mm-hmm. for like mommies, it you is. know. Soul Cycle is because it's like the music's amazing mm-hmm. and you're like wow. And then ab- only if there was like wine afterwards, that would that would help. Yeah. Um, and Jen, I also met you at the Children's Hospital. So uh, my hope we were all just hanging out there. We were all just hanging out at the Children's <laughs> Hospital. Uh, my hope for today is uh, <laughs> I want to discuss. Nikki's recent journey mm-hmm. and then dig into Jen's. Infertility is something that has been coming up quite a bit recently on the podcast with my guests. And I don't think it gets enough attention. Uh, so I appreciate you sharing uh, your story with us. And then I'll share a little bit of my own thing. But uh, let's start with the Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. So I had a guest on last summer. He had written a book called Healing Children, and he is one of the top heart surgeons in the country. And he was the CEO, he still is the CEO of the one of the biggest children's hospitals. It's in Washington, D.C. And I think I had just booked him when Nikki shared with me mm-hmm. what was going on with her little yeah, baby. Yeah, because you sent me, you said, I just interviewed this guy, and he was incredible. Dr. Um, Kurt Newman. Mm-hmm. Everyone should pull up that episode. But yeah. So let's go there. <laughs> so, Nikki, you I, were what? T- just walk us through that. Just um, finding out. And yeah. then I'll do, yeah, the shortened version. Yeah, not your bio version. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, well, so five months. You know, we go in to do the the really awesome 4D screening where you can see everything. And I was so excited because I had done it with Hudson, right? You know, and you get to see everything in the toes and the this. And the technician was taking a, such a long time on one on one area. And, you know, they won't give you anything, won't tell you anything. And so, but I kept looking at her and I was like, what's going on? And she was like, oh, you know, and... Uh, the doctor will be in here, and I looked at Ryan, and she left, and I said something's wrong. And Ryan's like, "No, you're you're being an alarmist," and 
<laughs> which I can be. <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> but but really and truly, it was like some something's wrong. You don't. That, I mean, I I I you know I go in to do these these echoes, these fetal echoes, all the time. They don't spend that much time on one section. Um, and then he came in and he told us, and I just like, well, you don't need, you don't know, you don't know what it means, you don't know how serious it is, you don't know what's involved, and all you, all, all I knew at that moment is they had to do an amnio and they had to do a whole like bunch of tests. So what did he say when he walked in the room? He came in and said, "Your child has transposition, something called transposition of the great arteries (TGA), which means his two main arteries are in the wrong chambers." And, and I then, wouldn't have even known that meant heart. I, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, like you don't what chambers? Like what? chambers of what? Like the lungs? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and he said, uh, there's also a hole in the heart, and the aorta is also very narrow, and I'm concerned about that. So he told us at that, like in one fail swoop, it's like there's three massive things that are wrong with your child's heart, and um, each one of those things would have required its own surgery. And... Uh, I just, I mean, I just sobbed. They put us in a room. They were actually really incredible. Um, women, when you go into these rooms and you're waiting in the lobby um, yeah. forever and in the waiting room forever and ever and ever, um, know that it's probably because there was some mommy and daddy back there who got really bad news and people are just taking care of them, um, which is what I learned. Because when I, we finally left, six hours later, the the waiting room was like packed and to, with a lot of angry people and i thought oh wow they could have easily just rushed us out of there but they didn't they they we stayed they took care of us they held us so yeah from then on out we proceeded with about 6 weeks worth of testing each and every test waiting to find out like what we were dealing with even was it even worse than than just the heart situation um which was awful you know, we didn't know where we were going to end up at the end of all of it. And mind you, I was five and a half weeks pregnant at the time. So by the time we finished, I was like almost seven months pregnant. And that was... The testing. The testing. And that was awful. That was awful. I mean, and Jen was so funny because Jen is always my... I call her like my my white witch. She's super witchy and like kind of is very in, well she's in tune with me like she knows what's happening in my life for sure um and i was like what's going to happen she was like babe i don't know like i don't know with all i don't know and that was what i felt too because i didn't know if it was going to be okay with all these tests i knew once the test came back and everything was okay I started feeling better because of the surgeon and, and uh, you know, I started feeling like, okay, you know what? We're going to be able to get through this. It's going to be really hard. But the testing was, I didn't, we didn't know which, if it was going to swing, you know, positive or negative. And then the test came back good. We got put in touch with Children's Hospital and I had the baby and within 24 hours we were there. At the Children's Hospital. At the Children's so Hospital. At what point in your pregnancy did the Jimmy Kimmel thing come out? And did that just, like, destroy you? It came out before I found out. Oh, my God. Yeah, it came out before I found out. I was actually, I think I was up in Canada doing a movie. I was pregnant, but it all came out then. And so, and then I, I mean, I didn't even, I had watched the video, and of course it, like, washed all over me. But you're wash, you're watching it as a mommy who has a kid yeah. who's, you know, who's like heart just bleeds for this man. And then I, it took me a long time to watch it again after I found out. Like I didn't watch it again until I think I was about eight months pregnant. And then I watched it again and like Ryan and I watched it together and sobbed, sobbed. And also what a cool thing he's doing. I, I just, I think what he's doing is so incredible, and it actually has changed the entire game for Late Night Host. It's made it personal. It's it's allowed them to have a platform to actually speak from the heart and not just make, you know, very superficial jokes about politicians or, you know, health care, but actually really talk about things that matter. 
So, I, and he's probably only going to get go deeper and deeper and deeper with that. So he's changed the game for late night, in my opinion. And you ended up at the same children's hospital. Same children's hospital. And surgeon. so you give birth, then... The next day, <laughs> I walked out of Cedars. <laughs> she didn't even check herself Sorry. out, everybody. She didn't even check out. I know. You just they, got in that ambulance. I just got in the ambulance. Well, I told them, I said, the ambulance is coming to get my child. Yeah. You need to, we need to do all the paperwork. You yeah. need to have somebody ready to take me because, you know, you have to be in the wheelchair. Right. And nobody was coming. I, and I said, I'm you are going not going to gonna wait for bureaucracy. <laughs> I said, I'm not, I am not going, I'm going to get in that ambulance with my So child. everybody, she's at a, <laughs> less than a one day old. She just gave birth. She hops in the ambulance with her one day old to mm-hmm. go because she gave birth at Cedars and then they have to be transferred mm-hmm. to the children's hospital. Meanwhile, she also still has a four year old. Four year old. Was he four yet? He Almost. was. He was not four yet. So he's three years old. Yeah. Still juggling that. Yeah. You guys get to the hospital and then children's hospital. How And then how many days until the big surgery? He was five days old when they had the surgery. And and by the way, um, I mean, it's so, so uh, Jen and a, a handful of other, of our other witchy friends that we've been friends <laughs> with for like. We're witches. <laughs> for a really long time. We did this big baby blessing at the house in Bennett's room and we all like imagined the timing of everything and the perfect, like just everything being perfectly synced up. And it was everything that we had imagined and envisioned, you know, it's a really awful and rough situation. I mean, the the most difficult thing I will ever have to go through or have ever gone through at this point in my life. But the timing of everything was just as we had envisioned. Um, they wanted him to be immediately transferred to children's. They wanted him to be at least four days old um, before they, he had the surgery. So he needed to essentially, his heart needed to work. They needed to keep him, his heart working for at least four days so that he could get a little stronger and get his lungs working. And there's other things in those first like couple of days that have to happen when a child is born. And it's critical. So... And he did. He did all of, I mean, like, everything happened exactly. And then he was the first up, you know, to have surgery that morning with, you know, one of the best heart surgeons in the country, Dr. Von Starnes, who is an artist, you know. They got in there. There was another thing that they found that was wrong with his heart, which was the coronary artery, which I didn't even know at the time. But, like, it became extraordinarily, it was a very... uh precarious situation. I don't know how to describe it, but they almost lost him with a coronary artery. And I didn't know that until later when I did my follow-up visit where the doctor was like, oh yeah. And then that thing happened with the coronary. I was like, hold up. Rewind. (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) Like, what was that? Because they just come out and say like everything was fixed. Mm. You know? Meanwhile, I also want to say that I'd see your husband at all the birthday parties. (laughs) Interim. With the three-year-old. So they're basically living at the hospital. I don't yeah. know how you guys are juggling all this. Meanwhile, Hudson still has his life. So your husband's at the at the parties yeah. um, showing these adorable pictures of Bennett. And then he's like, oh, and here's the one before they had to take out the tubes. And you're like, holy cow. I know. Um, and then you get the preschool cold. Yeah. And you can't hold I can't. your newborn for how long? I can't even be in the room. So I have to stand outside his room at the door and just look at him from there with a mask on, you know, because I'm in the NICU. So, like, you don't need to be sick. You cannot be sick in the NICU. So I have to go in and stare at him. And this is how crazy babies, like that connection with baby and mom, every time I would go and stand at the doorway, he would flip his head towards the door and like just flip it. And I don't know if it was the milk that he smelled. Mm. It could have been just that. He could have been just hungry. No. But like he would just flip his head and just, it would just stay there until yeah. I would go. It was, but I mean, the first time I got to hold him, I just sobbed. You just don't think about those things, you know. I mean, I had prepared myself that when he was born, I wouldn't get to hold him. So when I did, even for 30 seconds, it was this massive miracle. I prepared myself for all of these things. Maybe I won't get to breastfeed. So when I did, it was another miracle. But not being able to touch him, that it heartbreaking. 
Yeah. So you were there for a month? Almost, yeah. Now he's home. Now he's home. So going back to the theme of our bodies. So angry. (laughs) And you've written a beautiful piece that we'll be sharing um, for your website about hating pregnancy. Oh, yeah. Um, But then especially (laughs) that it was so difficult to realize that, you know, that the idea that your body had betrayed your baby. baby. It was one thing for it to like mess with me, you know, and make me sick and the vomiting. And like when you vomit for nine months, I got to tell you, like it wears on you emotionally and mentally. When I started to write this article, I was so angry. And I thought it was because of that. And then the more I wrote, I was like, no, this is way deeper than that. I'm I'm so effing pissed off <laughs> that my body did this. And And all the doctors tell you they do that it's not your fault, there's nothing you could have done. But you don't, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, you'll be able to, Jen, to speak about this in your journey too, but it's so hard to believe them. because it's not your fault. Yeah, because it's like, well, I'm, you know, I made a good baby last time, you know, and everything was great, so what did I do wrong this time? And I, I don't I have to say, like, even now, I really, I really struggle with believing them that I didn't do something along the way. I don't know what, like, was it, you know, one too many soul cycle classes? Was it, you know, I don't know. Like, I didn't know I was pregnant and, and I was having wine. You know, you think about all of those things and they're like, no, 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 no. Um, But it's really hard to let go. And either way, it's, it's one thing, like I said, for it to happen to you, and it's another thing when it happens to your kid. And, yeah, I was massively pissed off. <laughs> I want to circle back in a little while about, like, what you've learned from it. Oh, yeah. But let's just keep going deeper down into, like, the dark abyss, Jen. <laughs> oh, no, it's true. It, yeah. Which is, so we're talking about pregnancy, and <laughs> before Nikki knew about this— like as her bestie, as as mm-hmm. you wrote in the bio, and with suffering. I mean, I will say it's suffering yeah. through yeah. infertility. Definitely. How is that to support a friend who's complaining about pregnancy when it's something that you had been striving for for eight years? Well, the good news is I have like so many amazing friends in my life that are so um, aware of me, which is so sweet. It's it's such an interesting thing. And I thank you so much for having us today because I think Nikki and I have always wanted to show people like two different types of women that consider themselves both moms in a way that like I'm not one yet, but that's my journey to get there. And it's never talked about together because it is really painful. You know, it's really painful. Um to not be invited to the park dates that like sometimes mm. you see your friends, you're like, oh, they all went out yesterday. But of course they didn't include me on that. And I would have been like, how dare you include me on that? You know. But then there's a thing that you want to be included because just ask and then I could say no. Like even there's a friend, like we were invited to go see a mom, the mom's movie. And and it hurt that day, you know? And I was like, I so badly wanted to say something really mean. And then, of course, I was like, no, they're just including me. And that's what I wanted. So it's like this back and forth. So with Nikki in particular, I have to say, like, my very closest of close, which is Nikki, I, she hasn't been someone, I mean, I'll tell you something, you know, I have been on this journey a long time. So all my friends have a baby crying in the background, whether we're, whatever work we're doing, mm-hmm. whatever thing we're talking about. And I never really had that with Nick. And I know she was uber aware, which we had to come to this thing at a certain place with Hudson. With I was like, I want to see your child. Like, I want to be Auntie Jen. Like, I want to like, but it was so difficult for me. Um, and she knew it. So there's a lot of intuitive things that she did. And she didn't complain. But here's the greatest thing. We were at, okay, we this is before we knew what was going on with Bennett. Yeah. We were at lunch. And I said, you know, we're coming to this place now all these years later to like move down another journey and, and look into the adoption uh, path. <laughs> and, and you know, my husband said to me, like, what, will it be hard to now realize you're maybe not going to have a child inside your body? And because I'm like the like optimism of like it's going to just happen someday, it did hit me like, 
oh, I may not like grow the, like that human experience I may not have. And so I was sharing it with Nikki and I was like, so yeah, I guess it does kind of make me sad. And she was like, can I tell you something? And I was like, what? And she's like, not all pregnant women enjoy it. I don't like it at all, Jen. I fucking hate it. <laughs> and she was like, and it, but so that's kind of how mm-hmm. she didn't complain to me every day, but mm-hmm. she just said it. And this is what we want. This is why we wanted to build what we are, because she said it in a truthful way that it made me laugh. It made me cry. And it made me be like, so relieved. Like, thank you for saying that. I feel like I'm going to miss out on like this monumental thing that mm. will be so different. And she was just mm-hmm. like, it is beautiful. It, it, it like, let's just, yes, it's a miracle. They're all miracles, but it's not always like magic and glowy and gorgeous mm-hmm. and all these things that people are saying. And that was before the Bennett. So as a, as a dear, dear friend and, and I were able to be there for each other. And I think that's about mm-hmm. having space for somebody else, you know, because I think the biggest thing in my journey is people may not have space for it. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I then don't know what to say. So sometimes I'm, I would be really open about it. Like, well, Tom's um, sperm is great, you know, in front of like his friends that are like, <gasps> We don't talk about that. What are you doing? You know, and I'm like, but I do now. I talk about this to everybody. You know, it's like I just had many different layers of that for myself. When when you were going, when you were figuring things out, was there any sort of resentment towards your partner? Were you trying to figure out whose quote unquote fault it was? That's a great question. Um, You know, Tom and I just talked about this the other day. Um, No, there wasn't. I think... Everybody is so she different. She also, just by the way, has like the best marriage in the world. Not the best marriage, but it's we, we work it amazing. out. Yeah. But I have a husband who um, doesn't think that way. We're a team, you know, in that way of like, it's us. And so I didn't I didn't think that way either. And then here we were kind of blessed in this journey in the way that, blessed in the journey that we can't have children, um, in <laughs> the way that it's infertility it so journey. Yes, really are hollow, barren <laughs> insides. <laughs> And we would joke. We would joke all the time about this stuff. And then when it got really serious, like, wait, but really, it's not happening. Um, (laughs) This is terrible. You know, it just would just be like this endless, horrible joke. Um, But he, so he didn't have anything obviously wrong, right? Like a big thing wrong. And I didn't in a big, obvious way either, meaning it was like just timing and you're cooking your eggs too early. I remember my, my first doctor who passed away. I mean, this has been like a horror show in all sorts of ways, but he was the first one I trusted, and we did it for like our first little thing with him. And he, I remember him writing down on the piece of paper, like, poor, like, poor, poor something. And I can't remember. It was like, it was like, um, it was just so depressing. Like, it was so depressing. And yet he was like, it's no big deal. Oh, like some part of your, yeah, like, 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 poor, poor fertility or whatever. Like, uh, the ovulator. Like the, you know what? This is like failure to thrive. Yes. When, yes. when a baby goes in for their first doctor's appointment, they haven't gained the weight yet. Failure uh, to thrive. It's like that exactly kind of thing. Like, yeah, it. It's like failure people? to launch or something. Like, it's like not <laughs> happening. Like, so, and he said it in a way of like, no, no, it just means that you're like a little, like your ovaries may be like a little, lazy, but it's not. So like none of it made any sense. I was like, like best pep talk ever. Oh, it's terrible. I, I'm trying to remember the exact words. I see it in my head. But anyway, it was it was ridiculous. It was just silly. But anyway, because of that, we just really didn't get it. You know, and they were always like, you know what? You're 35. Your body's going to bounce into this thing. And then you're going to have a baby and the second one's going to be easy. And then that never, that wasn't happening. So my we we didn't blame each other because it felt like a mystery, a big old and I, and I talk about this in my thing, like mm-hmm. a big old question mark over our heads. And so it could be maybe, you know, I, I don't know. We didn't. We just really were. I still to this day, I, it boggles my mind. <laughs> and then in your piece, you talk about first of all, you talk about the magical. Is it one thirty four point what? One thirty three point four. Thank you very much. Yeah, you, your magic weight, <laughs> which cracked me up, man. I was like, that is so good. That point, whatever. Oh, like it's that, a that point. we just sort of fixate on that point. Like, what is that magic healthy weight where I feel really great? Yeah, and that is, and and you ended up. How much did you gain? I gained. The process oh my of god, fertility? I gained probably twenty five pounds. And let's not say probably, I gained twenty five pounds. I stopped weighing myself at a certain point. And in the beginning, it was so freeing to be like, you know what? And I wasn't just like eating McDonald's. I was just eating. I was just relaxed. And I was like, I'm going to be a mom. And my body's just like, ah, oh, like I'm just going to let things soften up a little bit. I'm not going to worry about 
my acting career and I'm not going to worry about all these things that like were always like a perfection thing. Mm-hmm. So it felt so good. But through the journey, um, I remember what's the woman that I, that I read, I her she spoke about infertility for the first time, Bobby. Oh yeah. Um, Bobby Thomas. Bobby Thomas on like the Today Show or something. It was the first time that a woman in like in that I had seen in my and I was looking for information and to hold on to. She talked about her journey openly and she talked about gaining weight. And I kept saying, well, I mean, it's hormones, but you go on and off of them. Like I was just like, you know, it's just what I would have gained anyway. You know, I didn't know I had a thyroid issue problem, which is also part of this uh, whole thing. My fertility specialist finally said, you know, that's uh, eggs don't drop on time. Sometimes with thyroid issues, it can be really tricky and blah, blah, blah. But um, the weight was so emotional. You know, it was it was like happiness of like, I'm going to get a baby. And then <laughs> I have to say, one day I came over to her house. Well, I had checked in with her and I was like, how are you? And we feel each other. Like, you know, she'll be like, I'm feeling you, and she'll check in. And I was feeling her heart. You guys literally are witches. We are. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, no, it, we are. Don't be scared. <laughs> don't be scared. It's fine. We're good witches. Like I said, white witches. And I, I said, you're, I'm feeling you super hard. And she was like, oh, girl, it's not good. Like, it's not good at all. <laughs> so I get over. I said, okay, I'm coming to see you in the morning. And I actually get over there, and it was noon or something. And she was in her robe. She's like, I've been in this for three days. And she was laying on the couch, and she <laughs> she opened up her robe, and she <laughs> grabbed her fat, and she goes, you see this? Do you see this, all of this right here? This is my sad fat. <laughs> she just, she said, this is all my sadness, all of it. And she started rubbing her sad I, I mean, I, I really, I almost blacked out when she told me that because I was like, I don't really remember that. But when you told me that, I was like, oh, yeah, I was so angry. She was so angry. And yeah. was that the moment that you just, like, when did you decide, like, okay, I'm going to, God, it's so weird. I want to say take back control. Yeah. No, but yeah. it's, it's Actually, it is taking back control, but it's also releasing control because you're giving over to the idea that you might not be able to carry a child. Mm-hmm. You did. Mm-hmm. You did. Like you, re- you surrendered. Remember, you surrendered. And you That's said, the We're word gonna I was take, looking for. Gonna, yeah, you said We're, yes. I'm going to take a break, and then that damn tooth thing happened. Right. Well, I wanted to make fertility fun. That didn't work out. <laughs> um, There's like a whole phase I made fertility fun. I was like, this is a, this is a horror show. It's not fun. Um, So how did you, were you trying to make it fun? Well, it was like <laughs> Tom and I would have beach days after our appointments down at the West side. Like we'd have to go from the East side of the West side, which as you know, cause we, you live in the East side too. Oh, I never do is that. <laughs> absolute. Like I break out in hives going to the West oh, side. Oh, I won't do it. It's so horrific. Like you cross the 405 and I'm just like, oh my God, we got to get back. We got to get back by one o'clock. Oh my God, oh my God. Yes, exactly. So we did. We'd be like, let's do an adventure. And my husband's an awesome adventurer. He's like a little kid with that stuff. So I was like, okay, you're in charge of making this really, like doing the plotting of making it fun. So we did it fun, that. damn it. <laughs> and it was good. You know what? It was a good distraction and it was fine. You know, it just looked back and I think there are just so many ways I tried to cope. Yeah. And that was one right. of them. It's a good way to cope. And it was a good way to cope. cope. Like, it was a good way to cope. And it it helped us, like, turn our frowns upside down. Um, But at the end of the day, what happened is what Nikki said, which it's many, many years later, like this past year, a year Mm -hmm. ago in spring, my goodness. um, This time last year. This time last year, I I started to document this and and, uh, wanted to make a documentary. And it's still out there in the ethers. But I did. We started documenting it. And Nikki was helping to, she's like, you need a producer and I'm going to be helping you. And I was like, no, no, we'll, we'll just do it. No, she's like, um, no. <laughs> she's like, yeah. you're going to need some help with this. So she just started. And so I started documenting it. It was another way of coping, another yes. way of taking myself out of it. Uh-huh. And then when I started watching the material back, I was like, oh my God, we are so sad. We are so broken. And how did we get through this? Like, I started being proud of us, like, like Tom would just pick up the camera and it was like the day we came home from the doctor's office and I was just out of my mind. Like, like, this is what happens. This is what happens when I get, when I have to start the medicines and I just was out of my mind. And, and he, and I looked at that later and I'm making a little cut of it and I'm kind of invigorated, like, okay, I'm going to take this and make it creative because I've had to give up so much. Exactly. And I feel like I've been a mom all these years because I've had to give up all these things because I've 
had to say mm-hmm. no to so much. So I'm making this, and it, we we were, you know, I was watching it back, and it was hard for Tom. He came on board because he knew it was about not about us; it was about helping other people. And there's just not a lot of stuff out there. But that's when I was like, okay, I don't know what's got to give, but something's got to give. And he got a job in Chicago. He's an actor too, and I went with him, and it was like. Normally, this would be this long, big talk about, you know, what are we going to do next and how we—and we just did it. And then months went by, um, and we took a break, and then another, more months went by, and I ended up getting this crazy tooth infection, and stuff happened to my body. So here's what happened. My body just broke down. Again, <laughs> um, this is what my our bodies do, right? It tells us. It screams at us. It just screams yes. at us, and we don't listen a lot, uh, or I didn't listen for a few years because I just kept thinking, you know, a few— weeks and then I'll have my miracle. Like I can do that again. I could do that again. I didn't think like some women talk to me about like what the drugs do to your body. I didn't think of any of that. I just couldn't go there. And I'm someone who doesn't like to put anything into my body. You know, like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm really aware and I just like, oh, well, maybe someday it'll just give me a horrible disease. I don't know, but I'll have my kid. So (laughs) yeah, that's, I mean, you just get so desperate. So anyway, the distance of taking that minute and then I rapidly lost this weight in a super like painful, painful way because of a tooth infection. Yeah, a tooth literally infection that we lost undiagnosed. all the sad weight. All the I sad weight went, and, and it was, and it, then it was like this TMJ, which so turned get into like mono people or get yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just go ahead and get some crazy thing. It it really was. I mean, I have to say, I was already on a mission to take myself back. Yeah. That beginning of last year, I was take like, back. It's great. let's, let's like, I'm going to work out. I want to just get, yeah. lose maybe like 10, 15, just get back to myself. I don't need to be perfect, Jen, but like get back to me. Yeah. And then that all happened. And it was quite a journey of just a huge, deep, deep, deep journey of um, grief, grief. Yeah. The culmination, you know, the, mm-hmm. the tooth was real and the TMJ mm-hmm. was horrific and, but it was all nerve connected. Mm-hmm. And I went to neurologists, all these things. So it just came back to like, just stop. It's okay. Like you can stop now and be brave enough to do that and see what happens. You're right. I felt free. I wasn't a machine anymore. My body wasn't a science experiment with a big question mark hanging over it. I was no longer a slave to the never-ending rigid mindset that everything I did affected my fertility. My body was mine. And um, longtime listeners might remember when uh, it was a couple years back, I was getting this crazy nerve pain in my leg. And it was this horrible, shocking thing in my thigh. And I went to a bunch of different doctors. I went to a neurologist. I got tested. They couldn't figure out what it was. Um, I went to see my oncologist, which I'll jump into in a minute, but, and he was like, maybe it's a torn something. At the time I was doing SoulCycle and I was doing Barry's boot camp. I think I must've torn something, but basically when I was driving or in the middle of the night, just random shocks of the most excruciating pain on the planet. Mm. And I was losing my mind because I never knew when yeah. it was going to happen. And it felt like I was getting stabbed. It's so scary. Yeah. I was getting stabbed like violently. And, it, and my girlfriend, Ruth, had come over. She's been on the podcast to talk about adoption. And she said, you know, this might sound cheesy, but maybe just ask yourself, what is your body trying to tell you? Mm-hmm. What is your body trying to tell you? And when she said that, I was like, it's telling me to quit acting. Mm. Oh, my gosh, through this, like, crazy pain. Oh, my gosh. And I was telling me to quit acting, and I quit. I also stopped doing anything physical because I couldn't for a couple months, but I also didn't have the pressure to do that anymore because I was like, I'm quitting acting. I don't need to be on this crazy treadmill, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. going, you know, metaphorically and physically, and I haven't had it since. And my body has, like, really healed since Mm -hmm. quitting. Uh, Mm -hmm. My stomach is so much better. Um, But all of these conversations remind me of, of course, the Rumi quote, don't turn away, keep your gaze on the bandaged place. That's where the light enters you. Uh, And my girlfriend, Bridget, had emailed me that quote when I was in the hospital of course, people who've listened to the podcast for a long time. I haven't talked about it in the past like six months or so. So new listeners, I had a one in a million tumor in my uh, femur, size of a giant plastic Easter egg. 
Uh, that's what the oncologist said when he took it out. And it is not cancerous, but it dissolves the bone. And if I had gotten it in the 80s, it would have definitely, they would have had to amputate my leg. Mm. Uh, so thank God for progress in science. Mm-hmm. And it can metastasize. And so it can go to your lungs or your sacrum, and then it can be fatal. So it's a lot of MRI trips. I need to go back. I actually had a woman reach out to me while I was pregnant this time around who was asking about getting pregnant after having it because Mm -hmm. they think it's estrogen-related, so there's a higher risk. Mm -hmm. There's a high recurrence rate. There's a lot of people out there who don't have great doctors because it's such a rare thing that they don't know. They don't clean it up properly, so it comes back. Mm -hmm. A lot of people lose their, their whole lives because they're... Stuck every like I couldn't walk for four months. So if you don't have a caregiver, you if let's say you live somewhere where you can't go up the stairs, or you, mm. you know, or you're you're sleeping on the floor on a mattress, mm-hmm. like just the way that people have to cope is so intense. And I was so lucky that I was able to fly to Houston to see the best oncologists, and because I'm from Houston, and that I you know uh, that I had the most incredible friends backing me up, but. I have struggled with that idea a lot of like my body betraying me mm-hmm. and how was it my fault? And the one thing that seems, you know, it definitely has made me paranoid in the past of like, or even just this past weekend, we were on vacation and the grass was really beautiful and I'm barefoot in the grass. And all I can think about is the fertilizer <laughs> and that I need to like wash my feet because maybe it's the, you know, the fertilizer is going to give me some sort of cancer like or something. Yeah. something in the, yeah. Or, or I think about early childhood stress mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my God, it's because my parents mm-hmm. got divorced when I was four. You know, like it's crazy things, but actually that's not that crazy. There are a lot of studies about that kind yeah. of thing, but no, I'm not yeah. blaming my parents for my tumor. It was one in a million. <laughs> Who knows what it is? But right. I, I did a meditation retreat a million years ago. It was seven days of silence and I wrote a little something, and I think that, and I'll share it, but I, th- I think part of this idea of your bo- my body betraying me and is this idea that we can't control it, but it's all like because we're heading towards death. I feel like death is like such a huge part of why we're so upset with our bodies because it's the first time we realize that can, it can all fall apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it me, I, had, I was telling you I had a crazy dream about death last night about me dying and like what I what I you know I was calling for my children and uh and and they were saying they were saying yeah but what about this that you've done or this movie or this or the you know even this website and I was saying I don't care I don't care just bring me my children bring me my children and I was overwhelmed with the fact that I wouldn't okay well I'm dying so I'm not going to see them again like I woke up and tears were just running down my face. I, I like, you know, wanted to go grab Hudson and the baby. And then when you think of Bennett and what he's gone through with his heart, and it's that thing, like your feet were in the fertilizer. I I have that all the time with Bennett. And I thought, oh, like we're, we're having this really beautiful moment. And I'm like, oh, mm. the doctor said, likely he'll have to have another heart surgery. <sighs> You mean I got to go through this again and maybe again? Or like, what if he cries too hard? Is that bad on his heart? Or what yeah. if he, like, it's 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 always that thought that's in the back of my mind. And then I thought I'm going to have to learn to be a human being who can have the thought and allow it to pass. And I don't know how to do that yet. Well, so I... Do you? Yeah. Uh, guys, I'm the guru. You didn't yes, know existed. Like, so I know how. Um, no, so what I, I so what I had written was, so mind you, I was at this thing for seven days. Kind of, I'll read, a, who knows? I haven't looked at it in a million years, but it's uh, something in my gut says to go ahead and share it. When the tension of being at war with myself melts away, I have to make room for sadness. I miss my husband. I miss my friends. Um, this is while I'm at this meditation retreat. I even miss my roommate, Valentina, with whom I seem to have gone through a weird breakup because we're not allowed to talk to each other or make eye contact. (laughs) And it's my roommate. That's awesome. Um, We are giving each other space, but it feels like she's giving me the cold shoulder. (laughs) I want to ask her if she's having crazy, crazy, stressful dreams too. I want to tell her that I figured out which movie star would play which retreatant. 
the last day of the retreat, I borrow Cameron Diaz's hairdryer. Okay, and when I find a stick of gum mm. on my pillow, the sweetest of offerings, I know she feels the same. So in my notebook, I wrote down the question from one of the teachers from these Dharma Talks at night. It's, the question is, what am I not interested in seeing clearly? I am not interested in seeing that we're all going to die. I'm afraid that if I really let it sink in, I'll become a nihilist and lie in bed and wonder, what's the point? This year will pass, and then the next, and whether or not I'm ready, the earth will keep spinning and my cells will keep dying, and if our lives follow the natural order of things, I will say goodbye to my parents. One day, the last voicemail with my father's laugh will be gone, and there will be a day when I can't ask my mother how to make the turkey stuffing, and no one will remember my childhood or theirs. Holy shit, somebody give me a Xanax. Drugs are discouraged at Spirit Rock, but what I receive is better. I learned how one of Spirit Rock founder Jack Cornfield's teachers had said to him, this glass is already broken. I can appreciate it now while it's still whole. Maybe it's the word appreciate that gives me comfort. One meaning of appreciate is to be fully conscious of. When I think, what is the point of life? I realize that the point is to appreciate it, to be fully conscious of it. It's oddly liberating to embrace the inevitability. My favorite coffee mug on my kitchen shelf is already broken. Maybe it happens in two years when we move. Maybe it happens in 15 years during an earthquake. Maybe it happens when my husband unloads the dishwasher tonight, but it's already broken. And when I accept that my body is already ash, there is a feeling of inevitability that allows me to loosen my grip. I don't have to work so hard or try at trying to run out the clock. When I think the game is already over, it makes it easier to be in the flow and enjoy playing. Conceptually, I get this, but I could really appreciate my life if life weren't always getting in the way of my appreciating it. <laughs> and then it's almost like my teacher there can read my mind when she chooses to share this roomy poem, The Guest House. This being human is a guest house every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Mm -hmm. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So much of my own anxiety stems from my resistance to accepting what is and wanting to change it. My tumor was an unwelcome guest, but it was sent as a guide from beyond. Be present, don't hold on tight, don't bury deep, experience and set free. Let things in and out. It's all temporary. In my tumor recovery blog, I had a section that focused on, quote unquote, little delights. And here it is in Rumi's poem. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. What a gorgeous guest house my soul has been given. These legs that let me dance as a child. These arms that would reach up to my grandfather's neck. These eyes that seek out the sweetness around me. I always forget I won't get to live in this house forever. Daily, I must remind myself to be grateful that I am in this body alive in this world for now. Mm. Ellie, that's amazing. Oh my God, it's so good. That was beautiful. <laughs> Things that I hide for years. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's it. Would you email that to me? Yeah, I'm I was not just joking. Thinking, yeah, same. Yeah. That's amazing. You guys are sweet. Thank you, no, sweet witches. Not, no, no we, it's just, we're not actually sweet. We're not. We'll we're tell you very, like, very oh, that honest. Was good. That was kind of good. <laughs> no, that was really, really, really beautiful. <sighs> the that I love that. The guest house. I love that so much. And I actually have read it many times in the last couple of months. Yeah. Um, and it's where I landed in my article for our, our blog. Is It's exactly where I landed um, in that sense of you have to, like, open the door next time, you know, the fear or comes knocking. I'm going to open the door and say, come on in. Um, because you you really don't know the miracle that is on the other side of that. And and also at the same time, what fear has taught me is that it's, you know, the fear of Bennett having another surgery, the fear of one day me dying, the fear of like all of that, it's, it is, like it just is. <laughs> so for me, I have to make it my best friend. I have to like wrap myself like you have to wrap it all over me like a really soft blanket and get really close to it and look inside of it because if I keep it at a distance and I don't let it through that door 
then that's where the anxiety comes. So much anxiety. So much anxiety because I'm not actually looking at it, but when I bring it really, really, really close and say, okay, this can happen or, okay, this is what this feeling feels like, then all of a sudden it's not outside of me. It is a part of me and the anxiety dissipates. There's that thing of like getting to the other side. Yeah. Because... You can't get to the other side if you don't face it, mm-hmm. you know? I love that you faced it through looking at footage. Yeah, that Oof. was... that was Yeah, she did. That was big. And I feel like there's so, much, there's, there's so much to say about all of this stuff. But I think... I don't want to say this. The, um, the peace that could come... That I didn't know that peace could come to me without having the baby. Like, I just been like, it'd be like, okay, it's just like after like you get that one job or your one thing, or you're like, when I get the baby, the peace will come. So the baby was the mission. And when taking care of myself and stepping back and like you just talked about, which is like, I felt like I was just holding so tightly. And I know people could see it around me, but a lot of times that it's not as helpful because they're like, well, just relax. And then you'll go on vacation. You know what I mean? It's like we, we took, yeah, but that doesn't help. <laughs> what helps is space, like we, are, we were saying, but also facing those um, demons. And, the the, and you're right, the mortality, it's fertility of like, like we're just getting older and I'm going to know my child less and less. And I would have dreams of their little arm, their little fat arm reaching out to me and me reaching out to them. And I'm like, and I would just pray to get here safely. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, so I know this sounds all crazy, by the way, um, but like if they're supposed to get here safely, like maybe my body isn't the vessel for them to do that in. Wow. And that's when it started to like maybe for whatever reason, not that I'm not good enough, not that I'm broken, but that it's just not that way. And you and I keep, you know, I have to learn these lessons over and over. I just have to keep pushing against the door, right? Just pushing. And there's all those door, you know, quotes, but it's like maybe... <laughs> And I just decided, like, maybe you're not supposed to open the door. Like, maybe it's supposed to go to uh, the window or the alleyway or the whatever. Come down the chimney. <laughs> come down the chimney, for crying out loud. Like, it, and it doesn't have to be violently breaking a glass. Right. Right? It could just be. So, and it was funny. I was reading, I read so many damn books about being one with yourself and all that. And, <laughs> and, like, this one book was all about how the egg, the job as a female, the egg is all about being passive. It just hangs out. And then the sperm comes and does. Like the sperm's the one that's like, okay, I got to get there. I got to get to the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, if it's an idiot, it won't go to the right side, you know? <laughs> and that can happen. But the egg just sits there and is like. <laughs> that was Nikki who snorted everyone. <laughs> Sorry. If it's an and idiot. I'm just, ignore, I'm just ignoring it. Cause sperm. Stupid sperm. Because of course they're probably dumb. Because um, <laughs> they're men. They're men. They're well, dumb I guess sperm. they're half women, right? I don't know. It's all they're confusing. X, Y, whatever. Like, they're like X, Y, N, Z. Um, but anyway, I, that passiveness, like, I would be like, God, I really want that. I want to just be. And it wasn't until I I truly, you know, had to jump off that train and face those demons and face, like, what is what does it look like? And I just told Nikki this. I will say this. The other day, <laughs> Thanksgiving Day, I had the last bit of medicine in our fridge. And I'm talking thousands of dollars worth of stuff that I not only feel guilty about because it's now expired and no one can really use it. Because people are crazy about, you know, doctors are really intense about that. But my husband was put, he put the turkey in the fridge without like anything covering it, which um, he said it's supposed to be like that. So I was like, okay. And the like turkey stuff got on like the side of the medicine and which is fine. It's just the packaging. But I was like, oh my God, it's the medicine. And I almost went back into this place like I cared. And then I was like, Let's throw it out. Throw it out. Throw it out right now. Throw it out. Throw it out. And then I was, I wanted him to just take it away. And then I was like, no, give it to me. And like, I just had to like throw it out in the garbage. And I just, it had been, it had been a while because Nikki knows this too. I just sobbed. I just was like, and I just looked at my husband and I'm like, I'm like, so that's what is happening in me every day. You know, when we're going through this next phase, right? It's hard for both of us. Like, but like, that's. I guess that shows you what's going on every day because he hasn't seen he saw that for years, right? So much crying and so, but I ha, I've been kind of in a good place, and it was just all just whoop. And I remember a lot of mommies saying this that like when you go into the adoption phase, it doesn't mean this journey goes away. It just means like it, you know, you got to deal with that still. You know, it's going to come up. It's still going to bite you in in your butt when you're at the store, and 
or when you're with your friends and all of a sudden there's just way too much mommy talk going on and you're just like, oh my gosh, I want to stab myself in the face, you know? Um, but, but that's okay. It is a part of you. And there's like that whole thing I went through last year, which is my heart is like so much better for all of this. I, I'm a much deeper understanding, compassionate, patient person than I would have ever been had I not had this journey. I mean, I, I, it has bruises and it's battered and it's beaten. I think of my heart with like band-aids and, you know, scars and all that. But I was like, but how cool is that, that I get to like, you know, speak from that place. And, you know, I was reading your stuff too, Ellie, about, you know, having a voice and wanting to speak about it. And there's, there's been so much about this journey, you know, that I wouldn't have thought I would also talk. I took two years. I didn't talk about it. And I didn't think I would, I didn't want to be the person. Like, I'm like, why am I like the, now I'm the friend that's had the longest journey right. in this, you know? Like, right. When I was like, oh, it's going to be you over. didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up for this. I don't yeah. want to be that person. I'm not the mascot for the one yeah. million tumor. Yeah. Like, call <laughs> me, I'm the one. Yeah, it's so like you are. And it's a mascot. But now you it's are. Like, it's like, it's, it's not even cancer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. But it is, it, it, yeah. So you, it, it's, it's exactly what you said. I ruined your life. It. But it's not like, it's not like you get a. Yeah, I'm going to stop there. Uh, <laughs> oh well, I was going to say, going back to like the the whole body thing of it all, and you were saying maybe it's not the safest way. Maybe this isn't. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, isn't she? Yeah, amazing. That's like, pretty incredible. That beautiful. But it's not about. It's not about us. Maybe no. And that's that? a, yes. It and could be imagine about that. What that child's journey needs to be. Right. Well, and that's what it became for me, and how I found healing with my body. And how you found healing with your body is, for me, I was like, oh, this isn't about me and what I did or what I didn't do. (laughs) This child chose to come into this world and chose me, and I'm super honored. And if he, I would never have been chosen by him if he didn't think that we could do this together. You know, and that I've and and my body wasn't strong enough to do this, and his body was strong enough to do this. In spirit, in spirit, yes, strong so enough. That's the whole thing about finding healing is is really kind of taking yourself out of it and looking at the bigger picture mm-hmm. and saying like, oh, this this beautiful little spirit wants to find me. What is what is the best way that it's the safest best way that it's going to come into this world. Well, that may not be my choice. It, or, or what way will he come into this world that will have the biggest impact? Impact. That's a much better way to, for to you, phrase right? it. Mm-hmm. For for me, yeah. Um, yeah. And we both have become better people because of these journeys. I will never, like, you know, I used to fret about things and say, oh, well, this job or that job or get upset about it as if it was, you know— the most important thing in the world. Well, now I actually know what life and death feels like. So but, those things will never be that important. And my body will always be a place actually for healing and not a place of brokenness. And our bodies are meant to, to heal. heal. They, they, yeah, want, to they heal. want to heal. They really want to heal. But I was yeah. just going to say um, something about your journey. Oh, it just left my mind. Um All right, so I'll say the one that's coming to me, which is there's a vision I have of Nikki when I walked in. I was in the hospital. She was there for like four or five days. And like, I'm looking at this woman and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's like, what is she doing? She's going to go pick Hudson up at school, like day three, you know? Oh and God. I and I like couldn't say anything. I'm just like, okay, yeah, that sounds good, honey. She's oh my like God. living in this she's waiting room. going to fall apart at some point, right? And we go in the other room and we're... TikTok, when's it going to happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We all have bets. Yeah, yeah. That's actually what those emails were about. It, w- it wasn't like paying or like, sending hey, love. Guys, I, I got twenty bucks. Twenty, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty bucks on day twenty. <laughs> Everybody had like a when is it going to just go down? Like, but it wasn't. Like she was just trooping. But we go into this little room and she pulls out her gigantic breast and we. That's a whole episode. But and it is just not okay. Like it's bleeding and cut and all that. It's just so much is happening with it. And I looked at her and I was like in pain. I didn't say anything. I just like looked at her. I'm just like the vision. And she's trying to get Bennett. No, no, you were trying to, uh, not Bennett. You were trying to, you hadn't even been able to hold him. You were pumping. You're pumping on those pumping machines. And I look, I'm looking at her and I'm just like, 
oh dear. And she's just talking to me and talking to me. And, and I'm like, well, so how's, how, you know, how, how's that feel? Like I'm looking at her breast going, oh my yeah. gosh, so how, do you, how does that physically feel? And she's like, this is nothing compared to like what Bennett's going through right now. So it doesn't matter. And I remember you saying that and I was like, whoa. And then I walked in her house about three weeks later and she's like nurse Nikki, like, um, yep, I need this. I need that. I need this. And I'm just like, just to watch my friend go through this, like, like she handled this, she's handling it. And to see like, there's that strength in her because, oh, I know what I was going to say. You said to me, you kept texting me, Jen, how do I bear the unbearable? How have you been doing your journey for this long? How do I bear the unbearable? Because it was just breaking your heart. And I don't even know what the heck I said back to you, but like, <laughs> I'm just like, girl, you just do it. <laughs> um, but yeah. but I, I think I said something like, you're, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're showing up for your family. And you fought so hard for you and Ryan and your entire family to be on the same page with this. And because you did that, you are reaping the benefits now. And you will continue forever because you fought so hard. I'm just going to say, I love you. I love you so much. I love you so I know. <laughs> like to, to see this, listening to you, I'm like, isn't she so great? <laughs> okay. So these are the conversations that are happening over at your website. How does everybody find you Yes. This is, these are the conversations. And by the way, this was the impetus of, I mean, many, many years ago when we started to become friends, it was, it was done with the understanding that we were both in process of taking a baseball bat to these glass houses of perfection that we had been built around ourselves and our lives. Um, for whatever reasons, moms, you know, life, this is the way it was. And we were no longer interested in living an inauthentic life. We wanted to be messy and for it to be uh, to for for there to be a safe space for that to exist, and there began like the birth of our friendship. Of I feel like this today, and it's not pretty, um, you know. And that was like great. Okay, tell me about that. And I love you anyway. I feel like this today, and it's really messy. Great. I love you anyway. Um, and we didn't want any other friendships that felt anything false. Yeah, false. yeah. and it spread actually, like a virus through all of our friends because you <laughs> and I virus. started doing it. Then yeah. all of our other friends started doing it. And then we thought, how cool if we created like a platform where other women could feel like they could do that too and they could be that way too because what it did for us was it changed the way we looked at our relationships with not just ourselves. I mean, you're really talking about loving the self like loving the whole of who you are, all of it, the dark and dirty, not just like the pretty and glossy. Um, and when you start to do that, it changes the way that you, it changes the relationships that you have with everyone. And being truthful about like how hard that is every yeah. day. Like it's hard every day to, yeah. you know, all of it is hard. But like we want to talk about that. We want to talk about like the things that we don't, we don't always hear women talking about, like, I don't always love my pregnant body and I'm going through infertility and I don't even like to call it infertility, I call it fertility. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that that there are these real issues and that our relationship and the women that we have in our life, that's it. Bottom line, we want to be rooting for each other and, and we want to be vulnerable and open. And what's your topic for December? Um, How to ask for what you need. And Jamie Lynn... Sigler is going to be our guest contributor because Amazing. there was a moment, you know, uh, she's pregnant and then she also struggles with MS and usually with MS, like it goes, the 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 pain and everything goes away. Um, and it hasn't with this pregnancy. It's been really difficult for her. And one day we were, I, she she is so impressive to me. One day we were walking down from a play date and it was like this steep um, driveway. And she said, hey, Nick, can can I just hold on to you and and lean into you as we get done, just till we get to the end of the driveway? And I looked at her and I thought, wow, here's a person who has learned to really ask for what she needs. It was so impressive to me. So when we thought about doing this as a topic, she was the first person that came into my head because that moment just has stuck out so much. Oh, like yeah. I could learn so much from her about having, like learning how to ask for what I need. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Can't wait to read that one. Yeah. All right. So Instagram. Oh, yes. I'm yes. about to What's, take a picture of Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, no. But what's, what's your handle um, and... 
everything. So give us a, give to, me all the details. Welcome to what we are. So it's well. So the website is welcome to what we are. The Instagram is welcome to what we are. The Twitter is welcome to what we are. Um, and we are going to have a Facebook page. We're going to claim. We are just learning about mm-hmm. all our social media and um, Pinterest. And Pinterest. We're gonna we're gonna get that up and going too. Sweet. But welcome to what we are. Yeah. Follow okay. us. Go Follow check us. it out. Um, and anyone who uh, is dealing with or you, anyone who has been struggling with infertility or fertility, as we'll say from mm-hmm. now on. Thank you for um, We also have an episode that was a couple months ago with Elizabeth Day. Uh, she's an incredible journalist mm-hmm. and writer, and uh, she shared her story about that. And that episode is called The Party, I think, because she wrote a really great novel called The Party. And what else? Oh, check out Nikki's episode from a year ago, How Far We've All Come. Yes. And join uh, our Facebook page, Atomic Moms Podcast. But also, we have a private group. It's called Atomic Moms Podcast Mamas. You can find the link for that on the main Atomic Moms Facebook page. And when you sign up, like it asks a few questions, answer those questions so that you can join our group because we're having, you know, more personal conversations on there that we don't necessarily want bosses or in-laws to see. And that way you can also ask questions uh, that, you know, yeah, maybe you don't even want your partner to see. It's just more of like a private mom group space. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms, Instagram at Atomic Moms, and I'll see you, I'll hear, I'll speak to you all <laughs> next week. <laughs> Until then, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. <laughs>